Donald Trump spent the past few days posting QAnon memes, threatening, quote, liberal Jews who don't support him, giving a speech where he believed he was running against former President Barack Obama, and also that President Biden was responsible for starting World War II can you say cognitive decline and giving a pathetic puff piece interview with NBC's meet the press where Trump said he would pardon the proud boys and bragged about his relationship with Vladimir Putin. But what was the headline from NBC? Here was the headline. Trump wants to bring the country together on abortion. Seriously. That was the headline. And yes, headline after headline, story after story, legacy media has been shilling for a killing of our democracy. The efforts by legacy media to attack President Biden for not being perfect while rehabilitating Donald Trump for advocating for downright fascism and a fascist takeover of America has intensified. Look, I think the media needs its access. The media thinks this will be good for its ratings. And if they throw our democracy down the toilet in search of those things, what they don't realize is they will have neither. We will discuss a major update in special counsel Jack Smith's prosecution of Donald Trump in the Southern District of Florida federal case. Trump's former assistant, so this isn't like a Democrat, this is who Trump hired, Trump's former assistant, Molly Michael, has been cooperating with Jack Smith, and we're now learning, handed over bombshell evidence to Smith. Get this, Molly Michael has allegedly informed Smith that Donald Trump would use classified documents as a notepad and would write her notes on the classified documents. And despite Donald Trump having knowledge that he was concealing classified documents at Mar-a-Lago from the FBI, Trump allegedly told Michael, you don't know anything about the documents, Molly. Meanwhile, MAGA Republican chaos again on full display in Capitol Hill as MAGA Republicans are unable to agree on a continuing resolution to fund the government. Look, we are less than two weeks away from a government shutdown. And what are they doing? Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene is playing cosplay mafia and says the Freedom Caucus and the Main Street, what, what is that, are only two of the five families. Meanwhile, Lauren Boebert blames her eccentricity and liberals in the audience of a packed public theater for her blowing vape smoke on the face of attendees, including a pregnant woman, while her and her now former boyfriend were fondling each other in public while yelling and being rowdy. That's what they're doing on the MAGA Republican side. Meanwhile, you have other MAGA Republicans admitting there is absolutely no evidence for an impeachment inquiry of President Joe Biden, but who cares about evidence? Just Call it an inquiry, and we'll figure it all out. Finally, President Biden negotiated the release of five Americans 
wrongfully detained by Iran, who were left to rot by Donald Trump. And of course, the media is too lazy to report the actual details of this deal. And they are falsely reporting it as just like a $6 billion quid pro quo handout to the government of Iran when that's just false and it's very basic to prove that's false. In reality, it's $6 billion in humanitarian aid to people of Iran in the form of food and medicine, which was already earmarked for that purpose. So we're getting the return of these Americans while pretty much giving nothing that giving up nothing at all, period. But of course, the media is not going to report it that way. But we'll report it that way here on the Midas Touch Network because those are the facts. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy. And we saw these media headlines intensifying over the past 48, 72 hours. A lot of people have been reaching out to us direct messages on our Patreon where we exclusively respond to pretty much every direct message gets a response from us. And usually it's me, Brett, or Jordy responding directly. I respond to a lot of them. Just so you know, that's patreon.com slash Midas Touch if you want to reach out to us and, and get one of those response. But people were saying, hey, I noticed a lot of coverage in Midas Touch lately about how the media is covering things. Has that always been the case? And I go, well, they've always been bad. But in the past 72 hours, it's like they had the realization, look, Donald Trump's going to become the nominee from the Republican Party. We need to suck up to him. We need access and we need to boost our ratings. But as I said in the intro, it's going to backfire on both accounts. Yeah. And, you know, Ben, when when we criticize them, you know, it's not just for the sake of, of criticizing them. I'm a huge supporter of the media. I think all of us are huge supporters of the media, and we understand the importance of the free press, the importance of the fourth estate. I think what's incredibly troubling is when that fourth estate becomes an arm of a political campaign, it becomes extremely dangerous to our democracy when they become when they become pushers of the propaganda from Donald Trump specifically so that they could curry favor with him, so that they could book that interview, so that they could be wined and dined at that dinner, uh, get a nice steak dinner with Jason Miller and, and Trump and that all really the advisors. Happened. That really happened, and we'll get into that. But when they <laughs> when they get more concerned about those things and kind of fitting in and people liking them, rather than actually confronting these people head on, they too become a threat to our democracy. And so while I honestly it's my least favorite thing to have to go after and expose a reporter, uh, you know, a news story. I, I genuinely do not like doing it. However, honestly, our hand is being forced to do it because we can't be gaslit. Like, I hate being gaslit by the media every single day by things that are just so obvious, so overt, and we'll have plenty of examples in this episode, but it truly is pure insanity. And I'll even go through today when we go to that Washington Post piece that you were speaking about, Ben. I'll pull up some of the comments that users left on the Washington Post website because at least the readers are wising up to it. And they too, the Washington Post readers, were calling them out for their blatant lies in this piece. It's really just truly inexplicable how you could ignore what is right in front of your face and instead write an article based on Trump advisors told us. I don't care 
what they told you. Then make the report that Trump advisors lied to us to cover for what he mm -hmm. did here. Do not make it, oh, this is the story. That's what they told us. So, what, well, that thing actually happened and there's video and there's tweet and there's posts and, and all this other evidence. Oh, but Trump advisors told us, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's up to all of us to continue to push back against this constant gas lighting. Jordy, how are we doing today? You said it perfectly, B. Look, the lack of critical thinking by journalists out there in, in today's information age or disinformation, it's scary because ultimately all they care about is, hey, did enough people click my my article for me to get another piece? Like ultimately, that that's what it feels like it's coming to. Am I getting enough traction? Am I trending online versus, hey, did you actually do the work? Like, are, are you telling people facts or are you just going for the lowest hanging fruit to get clicks? And by the and way, I'd like I want to say it was really difficult. I'd, I'd like to say it was really difficult to find the clips that I'm about to show you. Right. We yeah. had a search through the archives that I had yeah. a I had to take my archival shovel and my microscope archival and shovel. my <laughs> and I had a search. I had a search for it and I go, ha. Ah. I found the clip. He says this stuff every single day. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, can we just show you what he said and then report on why that's false? But let's start with the premise that here's what he said. And I know that like the media wants to push the narrative, oh, Biden's old and cognitive decline. And then they, then they cite as an example that Biden said, you know what, I, I have to go to bed right now when it was like super late after a five day international trip after responding to all of the questions. But let's just be clear what's happened in the recent days from Donald Trump. And you barely hear a peep from the media about this. Donald Trump said he didn't know who awarded Dr. Fauci the presidential commendation. Trump did. Donald Trump appeared to think he ran against Barack Obama and is currently running against Barack Obama. We will show you that clip. Donald Trump said that Democrats appointed United States Attorney David Weiss. Trump did. Donald Trump said that President Biden started World War II. Well, that's clearly not true. He also <laughs> said that you need, Donald Trump said you need voter ID to bread. And by the way, I haven't even got into the fact that we'll, we'll get in there later. He's posting just QAnon memes and he's threatening the Jewish community. He just posts threats about, quote, liberal Jews. And just think for a moment, just for a moment, if President Biden posted a meme that threatened, quote, conservative Jews. And just think about it. President Biden went on Twitter, did a meme. You know what? Let's pull it up right here because this is the post that Donald Trump made. And I want you all to think about it. Imagine President Joe Biden posts this. This is what Donald Trump wrote. Just a quick reminder for liberal Jews who voted to destroy America and Israel because you believed false narratives. Let's hope you learn from your mistake and make better choices moving forward. Happy New Year. Trump made that post on Rosh Hashanah. And then the says, wake, pull, pull it up one more time. It says, wake up sheep. And then it spells Nazi incorrectly as though it was written for him by someone in Russia, basically, which is probably where the meme originates from. Now, think for a second if you had this post right here. Imagine this for a moment. And instead of that weird cartoon of Donald Trump that doesn't even really look like him, 
President Biden posted one like this, and you had like a Biden cartoon like that. And pull it up one more time, Brett. And President Biden said, just a quick reminder to conservative Jews who voted to destroy America. Okay, not only would President Biden be completely disqualified, I wouldn't be supportive of President Biden. Like, let's be clear. I would look at that and I would say, you know what? I have standards. What are you posting? You clearly have cognitive decline for posting something so insane. That would be cognitive decline. Yet, I think MidasTouch.com, I kid you not, was like one of the only news outlets that even reported that this was a thing that took place. I'll say this. Any other news cycle like pre-Trump, this would have dominated the headlines for days and days, if not weeks, until that individual resigned. I barely saw a blip about this on TV. It should it should have been like the lead of every story. I mean, Donald Trump attacks Jews in America, blames Jews for destroying America and Israel, warns them about making the wrong choices, calls them sheep, says, wake up, sheep, signs this post. Uh, on the bottom of the post, it says, clearly one of the greatest anti-Semites of our time. That's how Donald Trump signed this message. I mean, this is an absolute deranged message that should be absolutely disqualifying. Everybody should be coming out and speaking out forcefully against this. But what happens? It barely gets even sp spoken about at all. Then you see all the kind of right-wing people online. They try to gaslight you and go, how's that anti-Semitic? He's just going after the liberal Jews who said, what, what do you do? Do you hear He's yourself? He's just joking, too. He's just joking. Like, do you absolutely, do you hear yourself? Do you hear yourself? And of all days to do this on the high holy uh, holidays of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah, um, Shana Tova, everybody from Donald hey. Trump. But it's, it's, it's truly just unbelievable that we've reached this point where that happens and the media is like, oh, okay, well, well, oh what are we, we going to do? All right, uh, let's see what Biden's, oh, Biden said he had to go to sleep after his four-day trip. Let's run main, let's run our top headlines about that for the next two days. Biden it's would not respond to me when I yelled at him at the cemetery where his wife, daughter, and son are buried. He, he would not answer my question about whether he would pardon Hunter Biden, which, by the way, He's repeatedly said over and over again that he would not pardon Hunter Biden. How many times do you need to hear? But I, I want to I want to clarify. This was a real thing that happened, and this was you would say, "Oh, that must have been a a Newsmax reporter." Would was, was that disrespectful? Perhaps it was an OAN reporter that was that disrespectful to yell at President Biden across a cemetery and then brag about it after the fact and think that that's going to go over great. Nope, it was a producer and reporter from ABC News named John Parkinson. And this is his exact <laughs> words. God. I am not exaggerating one bit here. John Parkinson, J Park ABC, he tweeted this in his own volition. He tweeted this, quote, as President Biden left church, I shouted quite loudly across the cemetery. First, I, I want to be like, okay, stop, 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 stop right there. <laughs> listen, first, first l listen to what you just said. But he wasn't done yet. Ugh. I shouted quite loudly across the cemetery, Mr. President, will you pardon your son? But Biden did not visibly react or acknowledge the question. He got 
rightfully reamed for this <clears throat> post. Like everybody was piling on because it was absolutely disgusting. So many people calling for his resignation, his firing. Ultimately, this reporter did take down the tweet without issuing any sort of apology, but it shows you just I, like how far have we fallen, no matter who that is, whether it's the president of the United States, whether it's just a random celebrity, or whether it's just an average Joe who screams at somebody across a cemetery, especially the cemetery where they have three family members buried, where they are visiting their loved ones. I mean, it's really depraved, sick stuff that yeah. we're witnessing. It's absolutely sick. And imagine then, Brett, to your point exactly, taking to Twitter and writing out the sentence, I shouted across <laughs> the cemetery. Like, where is the self-awareness in, in any of the acts right there, John Parkinson? I mean, total lunatic. And to speak to your other point, it's like just a complete overcorrection that we're seeing in the media. They're trying to be so quote unquote fair and balanced that they've lost any semblance of reality and they've lost the plot. Like to not to not call out Trump for the anti-Semitic post on Rosh Hashanah and acknowledge it as something that he actually and physically did. Like we're not going to gaslight ourselves here. We're going to speak out against these things. So I'm glad that we did report on that story at MidasTouch.com. But it really goes to show you how far just the media has has simply fallen. They won't even talk about that issue for them to be, you know, in the mindset of being scared that, oh, look, I'm going to come across as too whatever. You're going to come across as honest. You're going to report the facts. And Ron DeSant, uh, Ron Filipkowski, editor-in-chief of MidasTouch.com, just broke a story, if you go check it out at MidasTouch.com, of who sourced that post that Donald Trump posted about Jews destroying America. And it was former Housewives of New Jersey star Siggy Flicker revealed that she was the one who wrote Trump's truth social post that liberal Jews are ruining America and said they get triggered when they get called out. Yeah, that's her. And, and, you know, when you watch that ABC reporter or you watch this Kristen Welker uh, interview on NBC's Meet the Press, which was like the biggest fail ever. I mean, we thought Chuck Todd was bad. At least Chuck Todd didn't do whatever the hell that was this weekend, which was just abysmal. Like, by all accounts, Welker's a very smart person, right? And I, I don't know about this ABC reporter, but it's almost like they're like robotic. Like, I almost feel like, you know, the HBO show like Westworld, like, I have to think, like, are these people, like, and I, I obviously don't believe they're robots, but I have to, like, believe, like, <laughs> it's so, I'm just saying, like, it's so bizarre and robotic in their motions and behavior that they can't, like, have the vision to be like, what I'm doing right now is utterly insane. And they go about it. I mean, you saw Kristen Welker. Mr. President, it is an honor to speak to you here on Bedminster and to have this interview as the first major network interview since you left office. I mean, since he was indicted four times, since he was convicted of sexual abuse or found liable for sexual abuse by a New York federal jury, which was confirmed by the judge. Yeah, a lot has happened in the past two years that you could ask about. But the question is, so what do you make of your mugshot? That, that's, that's the question you want to ask. What do you make of the mugshot? I mean, how about we go and actually ask real questions? And it's not like at this point in time, you don't know 
how Trump is going to react to the questions. By the way, I'm actually not against interviewing Trump or having tough interviews of people interview Trump. The, of Trump. The key word is tough. And if you're going to do that interview, you have to be tough and treat it like a cross exam and be ready when he goes, excuse me, excuse me. You know the tactics he's going to do. He does them over and over again. We're going to show that to you in a little yeah. bit. And they're not tough. And then it just becomes propaganda for him because he goes, excuse me, excuse me, because all of that's pre-negotiated from the outset. He makes them call him Mr. President. They have to agree to those terms. And the way NBC promoted it was horrific. Also, pull up that QAnon meme, Brett, before we get into some of these video clips, though. So just so you see, like on a regular basis, here's Donald Trump reposting QAnon. Okay, QAnon is an actual death cult. Okay, and this is a QAnon meme. It has the Q on it. And it says, are you ready to serve your country again? Remember your oath. And it's this also just a very bizarre, culty-like photograph of him and Melania. And the QAnon death cult says that Donald Trump is going to seize control by force over a deep state cabal run by Democratic pedophiles, and he's going to conduct public executions when the storm comes. And that's when they said the storm is coming, where we go, when we go. That's part of their doctrine. He knows that, and he reposts that all the time. He's posted close to 600 QAnon posts in the past 18 months, which is a known death cult. And as I've said, if President Biden posted one QAnon message, just one, for all of the great things he did, he'd lose my support because I would say that really actually does show cognitive decline and impairment and bad decision making like this. This is what Donald Trump says at a D.C. speech. By the way, in D.C., he spoke to two separate groups. One was like faith and prayer in America. The other was like a woman's organization. So Donald Trump, who was found liable for sexual abuse, who brags about sexual assault, was the keynote of the conservative women's group. That's where these speeches are coming from, by the way, if you want to know where in D.C. this was. So here, Donald Trump is speaking to these groups, and he says that he will look at pardoning the January 6th terrorists. Play the clip. The political repression is immoral, and it's very, very un-American, and it's very dangerous for them to be playing that game. To reverse these cruel travesties of justice, tonight I'm announcing that the moment I win the election, I will appoint a special task force to rapidly review the cases of every political prisoner who's been unjustly persecuted by the Biden administration. You know what's going on better than anybody, so that I can study the situation very quickly and sign their pardons or commutations on day one. I want to sign them on day one. I want to see what's going on. It's a horrible thing that's happening. Okay, that's disqualifying right there. That's outrageous. That's red alert, red alert, red alert, right? And here on the Midas Touch Network, we're all saying red alert. All of you watching and listening to this, you know the feeling I'm talking about. And you know when then you turn on, whether it's cable news or one of the news channels, and they don't report that, you know in your heart, I'm being gaslighted right now. What are they talking? He's up there talking about pardoning terrorists. 
and he's getting claps from a women's group too, a conservative women's group, not, not conservative at all. Here's the next one I want to show you. Here, Donald Trump appears to think that he beat Barack Obama in 2016 and is running against Obama now. Play this clip. As you know, crooked Joe Biden and the radical left thugs who have weaponized law enforcement to arrest their leading political opponent, and leading by a lot, including Obama. I'll tell you what, you take a look at Obama and take a look at some of the things that he's done. This is the same thing. The country is very divided. And we did with Obama. We won an election that everyone said couldn't be won. We beat Hillary Clinton. Now, you know, I used to, I used to call her crooked Hillary. I mean, what in the world is that? By the way, if you want to keep seeing the cognitive, what real cognitive impairment looks like, here it is where Donald Trump says that President Biden is leading us into World War II. Play the clip. We have a man who is totally corrupt and the worst president in the history of our country who is cognitively impaired, in no condition to lead, and is now in charge of dealing with Russia and possible nuclear war. Just think of it. We would be in World War II very quickly if we're going to be relying on this man and far more devastating than any war. There will never be a war. If that happens, there will never be a war like this. It will obliterate everything there is. Everybody. Okay, generally, genuinely, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, we, we didn't add the music. I want to be very clear that we that he plays that music at his rallies, and I think it is like the QAnon theme song that he's yeah. playing, and he does uh -huh. this weird like hypnosis sex. I was that your like your first time seeing it, Jay? I was watching Jordy's face in the background, and I, I Jordy's jaw was on the floor. Like, did we add something to this? Oh my goodness! Uh, that was that's uh, it, it. Couldn't be crazy. That right there should be played. Like, look at this insane cult leader who is like hypnotizing his followers saying the most deranged things over his cult music should, should we get some cult music should we should, should we get some trump music to say things over and 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 so so here's <laughs> you have the music ready to go that was impressive so Okay, play, 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 you play, might, play you, the music. You, you, play the music. That band is the favorite brother, or Jordy is the favorite brother. But no, Brett is the favorite. I'm going brother. to show you. A, I'm going to show you a video of Donald Trump <laughs> believing that you need voter ID to buy a loaf of bread because Donald Trump <laughs> is a complete <laughs> is a complete and utter idiot, and he really shouldn't be anywhere near proximity to power yet kevin mccarthy all right the music's Ninja. freaking me out <laughs> <laughs> i was getting into it a little bit i was getting into yeah, it yeah yeah no we should we should we should we should end all of our shows like that <laughs> play the play the clip of donald trump saying you need voter id to buy a loaf of bread play this clip they're bad at policy they have no idea what they're doing they have open borders they have no voter id they don't want voter ID. I saw on the television one of these characters. There shouldn't be voter ID. Now you have voter ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have you have ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have everything. You have pictures. You have voter ID. You have a you man. Have voter ID to who buy thinks that you need voter ID to buy bread. Okay. All right. You and, and, to and go to the store. When's the last time you go? I would like this loaf of bread. And they so say, you go from there. Your voter ID.
you go there. And then let me show you. This was the NBC headline leading into the Meet the Press interview. This was the headline. Trump wants to bring the country together on abortion. Both sides are going to like me. The former president who nominated three conservative Supreme Court justices who overturned Roe v. Wade wouldn't say whether he prefers bans at the state or federal level. So the headline NBC, Donald Trump is the one who is the biggest factor in overturning Roe v. Wade. Donald Trump, every single speech does the lie that Democrats support abortion after the baby is born, which not only is false but is the biggest insult as well to just common sense to women who have to make the hardest decisions of their lives to say, you know, they're just snatching babies out of the womb. It, it, it is such a despicable and dishonest and utterly absurd way. Like that, that's that called, shouldn't that's just called murder, murder, actually. Like, like, like abortion after birth. Like that is not a thing that happens. It is disgusting that people don't call them out on this stuff. And even when they do attempt to do fact checks around this issue, they are so incredibly incompetent with what they're saying. Like they should just say outright, that is not true at all. You are lying. That's a, actually a heinous lie. That's a disgusting lie mm -hmm. that you would even say that about anybody. Yeah, and weaponize that as a way to control the reproductive decisions of women and not only control those decisions, but to further gaslight and then lie and then treat women that way as though what all women are murderers. Like that's absolutely a heinous and despicable lie that should be not, not just, we did a fact check. That's not what, no, just when you're there, do your job when you're there. One of the examples I gave on Twitter or X or whatever it's called is if you go in for a surgery, you expect the surgeon to perform the surgery, not spread the disease, and then afterwards give you a fact sheet and say, here's the surgery I would have done. Maybe you can go and do the surgery on yourself. If you're a journalist, and you want to do an interview with Donald Trump, do your freaking job or don't do the freaking interview because otherwise you're just as bad as he is. Mm -hmm. You are spreading the fascism. You are mainstreaming his fascism. So if you're going to do that interview, be prepared with the facts and don't go, if you want to now know the truth, go to NBC.com slash Trump fact check. No, do your freaking job when it matters. But you knew this meet the press interview was not going to be an interview that held Donald Trump accountable and presented objective facts just when they started promoting the thing. And here's how they promoted it. Walking through, I think it was Bedminster and saying, this is the first network interview that any major network has, ha has had since Donald Trump left office. Play this clip. I sat down with the former president at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. His first network interview since leaving office. We have extended the same invitation to President Biden. Okay, Donald Trump, the first thing he says on this interview is, again, utterly disqualifying. When he's asked about the Proud Boys and the Proud Boy leader, Enrique Tarrio. So, by the way, if you're going to ask the question on the Proud Boys and you know Trump is going to lie, you should have the data. 
that Enrique Tarrio went to the White House and was hanging out in the residence area in December of 2020 leading up to the insurrection. Why? How do I know that? Again, did I take my archival shovel and search for it? No. Enrique Tarrio posted the freaking photograph of him taking a tour of the White House and in the special VIP area that only people close to the president could ever even gain access to. So watch Donald Trump's first thing he talks about. He goes, I don't know Enrique Tarrio. No fact check to that. And then he talks about pardoning. Enrique Tarrio and the Proud Boys, some of the most vicious terrorists out there. And Christine, Christine, she doesn't go, she doesn't go, well, you know, that's a really insane idea. So let me be very clear. You want to pardon these terrorists? Watch what she says. Play the clip. Proud Boys uh, leader Enrique Tarrio was sentenced to 22 years in jail. Now that you know what the sentence is, 22 years in jail. Will you give him a pardon? Will you you give other Proud Boys a pardon? I don't know him. I never met him. I never heard of him until I started reading this Will you pardon him? But I want to tell you, he and other people have been treated horribly. Will you pardon him? In Minneapolis, I'd certainly look at it. I'd look at that, and I'd look at all the other people that have suffered, the J6 people. Saying he's been treated horribly? Saying he suffered? He is a terrorist who tried to overthrow our democracy. Shame on you, NBC. That's just some of the most shameful stuff. There isn't adequate words to say how disgraceful I believe Kristen Welker was there. It's frankly disqualifying for her. Her entire career as a journalist right now, in my book, is completely worthless. And NBC has a lot of explaining to do in general when you platform that. Hey, Adolf Hitler, tell me, what do you think about Goebbels? Well, I think he's been treated incredibly unfairly. He, baby, a lot of people say a lot of bad things about him. And I, I mean, what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Then Donald Trump, again, no fact check here. But by the way, you can go to NBC.com slash Trump fact check if you want to get the real details. <laughs> while Donald Trump blames Nancy Pelosi for the January 6th insurrection. And just watch, when I when I said before, I'm like, is Kristen Welker a freaking robot? Because like, how do you just sit there and hear crazy, despicable things and go, okay, Mr. President, okay, okay, okay. Play, watch this, play it. What do you say to people who wonder why you, you as commander in chief, you have authorities that Nancy Pelosi doesn't have as commander in chief. No, no, she has authority over the Capitol. Why didn't you send help in that moment, though? Uh, Frankly, just so you understand, I assume that she took care of it. She turned down. When you realized that that the National Guard wasn't coming? Well, you didn't, you don't realize anything until quite a while. Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, I understand. No, you, you didn't think for a second that, I mean, how about the fact that that's just comp- really, I would say really, just to be very clear, you are saying that you have nothing, n- no accountability for January 6th, and it is Nancy Pelosi. And then maybe you go in and you say, by the way, um, is it your claim right now, because you should know your facts if you're doing this interview, that you sent 10,000 National Guards. Is, is that what you claim? 
Are you aware, though, that your acting secretary of defense says that that's false and testified under oath that's not, that that is completely false? So is your secretary of defense lying to the January 6th committee? By the way, why didn't you speak before the January 6th committee? I mean, why don't you ask questions that you are able to like, you know, provide a real time fact check as well about also right here. She just lets Donald Trump talk about how, look, a lot of right wingers, they've, they've, they've written books. They've written books about the election being rigged. So that means it's that means it's rigged here. Play this clip. You know who I listened to myself? I saw what happened. I watched that election and I thought the election was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. You were listening to your instincts. Uh, my instincts are a big part of it. That's been the thing that's gotten me to where I am, my instincts. But I also listen to people. There are many lawyers. I could give you many books. Uh, I, there are books that are written on how the election was rigged. There are numerous books that were written on how the election was Just rigged. to be clear, were you listening to your lawyer's advice or were you listening to your own instincts? I was listening to different people. And when I added it all up, the election was rigged. There are books were you calling that are written. The shots, though? In fact, Molly Hemingway wrote a great book. Oh, were you called calling Rigged. the shots ultimately? Excuse me. Molly Hemingway, mm -hmm. who's highly respected and great, she wrote a, a book, a, a best selling book called Rigged. You know what you do there when he goes, Excuse me? You go, No, excuse me. Aren't you aware that you hired two separate consulting firms that you paid each? basically a million dollars who told you that there was no fraud capable of overturning the election, that they presented those results to you. And those were your two consultants. You got two expert opinions. Isn't it also true that this lawyer, this lawyer, this lawyer, this lawyer, that they all say that there was no fraud capable of overturning the election and that your team was called team crazy. Are you aware that that's what your lawyers said? So are you saying that all of your lawyers, all of your advisors are all part of a massive conspiracy and you're the only one who has the answers? Well, then let me ask you another question. No, excuse me, Mr. Trump. Excuse me. Let me ask you some other questions. So were you hiding your evidence from the 70 courts that you went in front of? Was it such a secret that when you went in front of judges you appointed, you didn't show them the, your own evidence? Or were they part of this deep conspiracy as well? Excuse me. That's what you do. Or you don't do the freaking interview. If you can't do what I just did, then don't do the interview. It's fine. Not everybody's cut out to do an interview like that. But when your response is, were you in charge? Were you in charge? So it was your instincts. Your in What is that for real? By, by the way, the book that he's referencing also didn't uh, even it wasn't even released until October 2021. So like it's a bald faced lie to begin with. The entire premise is absolutely shot. And he, he did have a big mess up here, though, Trump. Trump said something that has contradicted his lawyers. Trump said something that really blew up what I feel like is one of his main legal arguments where he wants to be able to go to court and his attorneys want to be able to argue, oh, Donald Trump was just following the advice of these constitutional scholars. He had all of these lawyers around him that were giving him this advice and Donald Trump was just listening to the lawyers. That's, that's all. You can't fault a man for listening to his legal advice that he's getting from his attorneys, right? And while Donald Trump completely torpedoed that entire argument in this segment of the interview. Were you calling the shots, though, Mr. President, ultimately? Uh, as to whether or not I believed it was rigged? Oh, sure. I, okay. I, it was my decision. But I listened to some people. Some people said that. Um, 
like guys like Bill Barr, he was a stiff, but he wasn't there at the time. But he, he didn't do his job because he was afraid. You know what he was afraid of? He was afraid of being impeached. He was petrified to be impeached. And he's, how do you not get impeached? Don't do anything. And then you focus it on. So just to be clear, Donald Trump, Bill Barr was in on it too. So, so let me get this straight. Just the, let me, I just want to understand. But like, you have to listen to what he's saying. And, and Brett, I mean, do we give her credit for asking an open-ended question and him responding like the complete moron that he is? I mean, I would be impressed if when she heard him talk about Bill Barr, I want to pause you there, Donald Trump. So uh, explain this to me. So Bill Barr, who was pretty close to you, are you saying that Bill Barr would you believe Bill Barr's a traitor? Do you believe Bill Barr was working with the deep state cabal to try to overturn whatever you had planned and that Bill Barr was in on it? Also the judges, also your lawyers. So so who who knows? Who has all of the like you can do this in an intelligible in intelligible way and, and that's where she completely failed. I want to let everybody know as well that uh, on our Patreon we are going to do an after show. And on that after show, lots of people want to know how we run the network, how we do the videos, how we record them, our system. Lots of people want to know, Saul, who is this salty? He still will be mysterious, but we can tell you a little <laughs> bit more about, you know, about him. But we, we will give you some of the mysterious salty figure. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about our operations and how we run things what some of the goals and plans are. And the after shows we've been doing have been, I think, just so much fun. The last one, we did my origin story and my background, which was an exclusive after show. We did Brett's, we did Jordy's, we did Karen Friedman, Agnifilo, we did Michael Popak. All of that's on the library of exclusive content. And we don't have outside advice, outside investors on the Midas Touch Network. We have outside advisors. We don't have outside investors on the Midas Touch Network. So the way we build the network is fun ways like the emojis here and separately the Patreon. So if you're sick and tired of legacy media, let's build this thing together. I don't want investors interfering with our operations. So let's just focus on building this as a community. And that's one of the ways we can do it and grow this thing organically. And you already saw we built MidasTouch.com with the memberships and with Patreon. We were able to utilize that as in, in, in some of that to be able to grow MidasTouch.com with some of the best editors and writers, I think, in the game. I love MidasTouch.com. Go to patreon.com slash MidasTouch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash MidasTouch. Make sure you spell MidasTouch correctly, M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H, patreon.com slash MidasTouch. When we come back, I want to talk about the chaos on Capitol Hill caused by MAGA Republicans as Marjorie Taylor Greene plays cosplay mafia about the five families. Lauren Boebert talks about how, how her eccentricity caused her to engage in whatever that yeah. unfortunate conduct was. I also want to talk <laughs> I also want to talk about President Biden's negotiation of the release of five Americans wrongfully detained, how that is being misreported and distorted 
as part of, I think, the uh, media disservice that unfortunately is taking place. We'll talk about that and more after this quick break. This episode of the Midas Touch podcast is brought to you by Manacora Honey. Now, when I say the word honey, you might be thinking of that stuff that comes in the plastic bear-shaped bottle at the supermarket. Well, this is nothing like that. Manacora makes Manuka honey, a super honey that comes from New Zealand where the bees only feed on the nectar of the Manuka tea tree, making something that's rich and with a creamier texture that's unlike anything you've ever had before. You can use it just like honey you're used to, but Manuka honey is super because it also contains unique antioxidants and prebiotics, as well as a natural antibacterial compound called MGO that only comes from the nectar of this tea tree. These nutrients support optimal immune and digestive health, so it's a win-win. You can continue to use honey in all the ways that you know and love, and you can enjoy all of the health benefits of the MGO as well. Manacora sent me a jar and a squeeze bottle of their 850 Plus MGO Manuka Honey, their best-selling product, and it's phenomenal. The 850 Plus Honey has the creamy caramel texture that melts in your mouth, and it's unlike anything I've ever had. I can grab a spoonful out of the jar and put it in my favorite beverage, or squeeze some honey out on some toast or oatmeal. It's delicious. Each morning, I start my day with a spoonful of Manuka Honey, and it is a game-changer. Now, if you head to manacora.com slash Midas or use code Midas, you'll automatically get an extra free pack of the 850 plus honey sticks with your order. That's a $15 value. Now, I love the jar. I love the squeeze bottle. But the extra pack of compostable honey sticks is a perfect game-changing move for whenever you're on the go. You can bring them with you when you're traveling or when you need a quick snack or running quick errands or if you need an energy boost if you're on a run or at the gym. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash Midas or use code Midas to get free pack of compostable honey sticks with your order. You haven't tasted or seen honey like this before. So indulge and try some honey with superpowers from Manacora. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at that perfect temperature all night long. Now, using silver infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at that perfect temperature all night so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than the bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code MIDAS at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas and use the code Midas to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Midas to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this. Welcome back. We are live. 
Ben Micellis, Brett, and Jordy here on the Midas Touch podcast. I just want to talk again briefly about this awful media coverage. And I'll just give one example, but I could show you a hundred of these examples. Maybe I'll do another patreon.com slash Midas Touch exclusive hot take on just some of the others later this week. But here's just an example that's so obvious. So Washington Post published a story that said Donald Trump is not pushing the impeachment of President Biden. And it starts off with the headline, Trump keeps distance from impeachment inquiry while assailing Biden. And the piece begins, former President Donald Trump often shows more interest in expunging his impeachments than impeaching President Biden. Advisors say he isn't the driving force behind the Biden impeachment inquiry on Capitol Hill, and he has at times been muted about the actions of the GOP leaders. Okay. So that's going to be the story that you write and and run with, but I could give you a hundred examples to rebut this. Again, I don't have to take my archival shovel and start digging and searching and trying to find this and, and use my incredible research skills, right? All I have to look at is Donald Trump's social media platform over the past few weeks and see his posts. So this is what he posted like three weeks ago. It says, the Republicans in Congress, though well-meaning, keep talking about an impeachment inquiry on crooked Joe Biden. Look, the guy got bribed, he paid people off, and he wouldn't give $1 billion to Ukraine unless they got rid of the prosecutor. Let me pause there. Everything he says there is just completely false QAnon-style conspiracy, all completely false. And in fact, Republicans say there's no evidence about that other than like Marjorie Taylor Greene and just kind of right-wing nuts like that. He then goes on to say, this is what uh, Donald Trump says. He goes, Biden is a stone-cold crook. You don't need a long inquiry to prove it. It's already proven. These lowlifes impeached me twice. I won and indicted me four times for nothing. Either impeach the bum or fade into oblivion. They did it to us. So three weeks ago, Donald Trump, before the impeachment inquiry was launched by Kevin McCarthy, says, impeach the bum. And the Washington Post story is Trump keeps distance from impeachment inquiry. Impeach the bum. It's pretty, su- pretty, <laughs> pr- pretty, pr- pretty subtle, to be fair, to the Washington Post. And then Post. he keeps reposting things by Marjorie Taylor Greene, in addition to posting a photo of himself with Marjorie Taylor Greene the day before the impeachment inquiry was launched. And Marjorie Taylor Greene saying things like this. Our country deserves for Congress to vote for an impeachment inquiry for a very important reason. Here's why. And Donald Trump reposts that and everything she says after that is all false. Donald Trump reposts her saying, we are going to drag Biden and everyone who covered up his crimes through the headlines day after day, month after month, and prove to the country the entire Democrat Party, again, they can't say Democratic, Democrat Party, is corrupt and can't be trusted, traitors, liars, you know, all the other stupid language that she uses. So we're going to drag Biden. Our country deserves a vote for impeachment. Impeach the bum. Okay. And the post story is Trump keeps distance from impeachment inquiry. So if you're that intellectually lazy, and that is what you write, I, I, you know, I have to assume either you're just the worst at what you do because that wasn't rigorous. 
what I just did. It really, I'd love to claim it was, and that I'm the greatest researcher and I found this. But I don't think you're the worst. And I think it's something a little more sinister, unfortunately. And I think it's the problem with legacy media and the both sides and the platforming of this crap because you believe this will help you get clicks and you believe that the a proximity to Donald Trump to help you gain access is something that you are going to need. And Brett, you mentioned this earlier that it should be mentioned that, and this was a uh, little reported, but in Milwaukee, when the debate was taking place, Team Trump was whining and dining some of the top reporters at a steakhouse called Rare as they passed out pudding snack packs as well as debate bingo cards. Who was there with Trump's people? Dana Bash of CNN, Shane Goldmacher, Christine Welker, surprise, surprise, Bob Costa, Finn Gomez, Dasha Burns, Rachel Scott, Rick Klein, Josh Dowsey, Rob Crilly, Mario Josh Dowsey, who wrote the article who you just read about Trump uh, keeping his distance. Yeah, that was a great, <laughs> it's a great point. Josh Dowsey, David Chalian, and who was there? Jason Miller, Stephen Chung. Yeah, Stephen Chung is the one who always has that generic line after every story. Like, this is the deep state coming after us and massive conspiracy and fake news. But I'm, I'm look, media, I'm glad that you got some stake. You know, I, I, I really hope that our democracy wow. was worth a uh, medium well filet mignon or a medium rare <laughs> filet mignon. Like, I, I truly hope that that's really all, you know, well, that, you, that matters to you. You go medium rare, Ben? You go medium rare? <laughs> I'm not going to let you. I'll save that for patreon.com. So, <laughs> I so here's, a question. here's, yeah, <laughs> here's what you kind of have to realize also, because you think like, you you want to say, don't these people realize that if there's no democracy and if a dictator comes into power and there's no longer free speech, that it's their jobs that are on the line? Like, you won't be able to do what you do. I think, though, they're making a cynical calculation that they will be able to do whatever Trump wants them to do if they so need to do that in the future, that they could be a part of this kind of fascist uh, autocracy in the future. And I know that sounds a little wild, but let's just look at the way CNN shifted on a dime when they got new leadership. Like overnight, overnight, when they got new leadership, all these reporters, and there were a few holdouts. There was uh, the Oliver uh, guy who who wrote pieces about what was really going on at CNN. There was, uh, you know, like Jim Acosta. There there are a few standouts in that network who didn't go along with this new corporate line that they were taking. But everybody here noticeably saw that shift at CNN. The second they had new leadership that wanted to start covering things differently. And the people who kind of didn't fold into that were kind of given the boot. They were kind of kicked out mm -hmm. and a few people were able to hang on, but it shows you that their morals really go only go as far as their paychecks allow them to go. Once their paychecks were threatened by the new boss and they had to suck up to the new boss, suddenly like everything changed about a lot of these people. And I think that's very scary. So I think if there was ever 
some sort of autocratic government in the United States. And they said, listen, we want these reporters to cover these stories favorably and do it like this. They're going to make their own kind of state run Trump media. I think he would have these all many of these reporters at many of these mainstream networks will happily ask, OK, how could I help you? How could I help you? Because they are only they are scared of their own livelihoods. They are scared of their own access more than our democracy, which to me is the scariest part. How you could just change because of a paycheck, how you could change because of external pressures and not be true to the reasons that I think a lot of these people probably got into the profession in the first place. Not to get a stake with Jason Miller, but to expose Jason Miller, to expose these powerful people and speak truth to power. And when their morals, our, their our, morals only go, sorry, Ben, just let me jump. Their morals only go as far as the stake that they throw will land. Because ultimately, Brett, when you look, <laughs> when you look at, at exactly that, it's it's this false thinking that proximity to power will give me power, right? Just ask Jenna Ellis. Trump's totally turned on her. You know, it's like when when you think about people who are close in Trump's orbit, right? They're only there because they think that a little bit of that Trump, that's going to rub off on them. The second the guy decides to turn his back on them, they're nothing. That that MAGA base doesn't love you like that. So what these reporters are doing now is, is they're, they're thinking that. I mean, it's so sad to see because ultimately when Trump decides that they're no longer of use to him, then they're no longer of use to him. And he goes on right to the next person who's going to think that proximity to power will give them power. There's a lot of people out there that think that way because it's lazy thinking ultimately. You know, one of the things that I like to see, and I brought this up earlier that I would read at least a couple of these, were the comments on the Washington Post website to this piece. People were not buying it. They weren't. And I'll read you a couple of the top comments. Here's one right here. Why does WAP Washington Post never provide President Biden with a feature story that contains virtually nothing but his opinion on things like this article does for Trump? The headline is more than likely what Trump wants people to think, while the story provides Trump's strategy for saying the things he does. President Biden never gets this kind of generous coverage. In fact, the Washington Post coverage of Biden is constantly adversarial. One other quotes this, adverse advisors say that he isn't the driving force behind the Biden impeachment inquiry on Capitol Hill. The person responds, yeah, right. Someone else quotes that same line, says, this is the perfect example of Washington Post and other media organizations taking obvious lies from the Trump campaign and setting it up as the equivalent of actual facts. You would think that Green came up with the idea all on her own and the words she speaks about on this topic are all on her own. The whole lot of them are working directly for Trump. Just look at their actions. Shame on these quote-unquote reporters for writing this article and shame on the Washington Post for publishing it. Repeating lies from known liars is not journalism. Very smart comments yeah. on the Washington Post website. And I think that really reflects how so many of us feel. You're like, what are we doing? And not to mention, in addition to those comments that are extremely overt on Donald Trump's social media page, there's also been reporting that Donald Trump and Elise Stefanik and other House Republicans have been having phone calls to discuss impeachment strategy before they announced the inquiry. This is all out in the open. And if you're going to act like you're just going to be a stenographer for whatever Donald Trump's advisors say, then you are simply not doing your journalistic duty. You know, one of the things that I really like that we're doing on MidasTouch.com that's an initiative being led by our editor-in-chief, Ron Filipkowski, though, is we are reporting on the bad reporting, right? They are so used to being unchecked and that they could write this stuff. But 
it's important that our coverage sheds light on their conduct and that we also arm our viewers and listeners with the tangible evidence that rebuts these false stories that are being propagated by legacy media. And so we did a story on all this stuff. We did a story on how the Washington Post lied. And we just said, Washington Post lies to readers. And I not trying to just be adversarial to the Washington Post. I'm sure they have some good reporters and they write some good stories. But Absolutely. And, and, and I'm not saying, how dare you write a pro-Trump story? If he did something objectively good, which he's never done, but and you want to provide me with data on how that's beneficial, you can write that story, but be prepared to show data, and you're not going to be able to find that if we're in a data-driven world. Similarly, if you want to criticize President Biden and you want to come with actual data and evidence, you should also make clear that the differences between President Biden hitting perfection versus Donald Trump throwing our country into complete and utter chaos and turmoil. You should draw that out. But if you want to say that you think that because there's only 36,000 infrastructure projects and you believe that there should be 38,000 or whatever whatever your view is, be clear that the infrastructure, and I'm making that up as an example, be clear though that the infrastructure example is something that Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans talked about wanting to do and they couldn't execute on it. Like, let's be clear about who's actually doing things and who's trying to rip apart the fabric of our democracy. And also, you know, whenever these media networks want to write about us, they always like come up with a label for us far left liberal, far left, whatever, you know, and, and ultimately for me, I'm like, okay, if you, if you were to look at my views and values, you'd probably say, okay, well, that's probably someone who's liberal or progressive, but I don't necessarily give myself labels like that. Like I'm most interested right now in normalcy. That's it. Compassion, normalcy, intelligence, pro-democracy. Okay. And the things that I talk about here and the contrast drawn between Donald Trump talking about pardoning terrorist groups like the Proud Boys and attacking prosecutors and judges and saying, I'm really smart because I passed the dementia test and I know that the election was rigged uh, because I read books. There's a little thing called books. And it's like, OK, that's that's just that's not normal. That's chaos. That's idiocracy meets fascism. That's not conservative, okay? And for me to criticize that is not a liberal position. It is me objectively looking at disturbing and deranged behavior and saying that's really dangerous and really weird. That's not that's not a liberal view to criticize that and that's where legacy media buys in to an old political paradigm that doesn't reflect the composition of Americans right now. And that's why, Brett, when you look at those comments, Americans, and we've done a lot of series on how former Republicans and former you know people who are still conservative but used to be with the Republican Party, look at the behavior and say, 
this is a con man. And they've left at different times. Some left when the videotape emerged of Donald Trump bragging about sexually abusing women. Some people left after Donald Trump's phone call extorting Ukraine. Some people left after the insurrection. Whatever your reason for leaving is, there is a huge amount of Americans who are former Republicans and who identify as conservative who look at that behavior and go, that's not America. Yet, legacy media portrays this to this dichotomy of, oh, that's conservative. And then you have lots of extremes on, on, on both sides. And look, I'm going to give you a story right now that has nothing to do with political affiliation. It's an update on the Mar-a-Lago case, right? Molly Michael is somebody who Donald Trump appointed, right? And I'll give you a parallel example as well. Ken Paxton. Ken Paxton's aides were the whistleblowers against Ken Paxton. Conservative people who worked for Ken Paxton in Texas provided the evidence against Ken Paxton that they were retaliated against so he could cover up the bribes that he was accepting from a private citizen who was employing Paxton's mistress. And Paxton was basically allowing this private citizen to do whatever he wants and get away with foreclosures and other improper conduct as part of an illicit quid pro quo corrupt deal. So much so that the Texas House of Representatives led the impeachment against Ken Paxton, the Republican, right? And so it was Republicans who said, this is corruption and it needs to go. But Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans said, no, you're rhinos. You're not real Republicans, Texas Republicans in the, in the House. You're rhinos and you're worse than Democrats. That's what they, they use that language. And by the way, the Republican Speaker of the House, you're a drunk. You're just a drunk. And that's what this was all about. It was about that you're a drunk and you were embarrassed because you were drinking. And that's what this whole thing is about. Meanwhile, Paxton's mistress invoked her Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. Paxton's wife was one of the Republican state senators. And basically what happened was, even though she wasn't part of this group or voted, but like there were 16 Republican state senators who all banded together, who were told by Trump's team that you had to keep Ken Paxton in power or else we were going to primary you. And despite all of the evidence coming from uh, Paxton's own right-wing Republican conservative aides, they voted to acquit him, the MAGA Republicans in the Texas Senate, just ignoring the evidence. To which I say, that right there, that looks a lot like an oligarchy. That looks a lot like justice in countries like Russia. You know, and then it's funny, you know, and then I have like, you know, you know, I wrote that on a post on, on, on the new Elon Musk Twitter X, which is like just all a bunch of like right wing lunatics who go after they're like cope more, cope more. I'm like, OK, we mean cope more. It was Republicans who launched the inquiry. Yeah, but they're rhinos. They're rhinos. We're rhino hunters. Bill Barr's a rhino. Bill, 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 Bill Barr's a rhino. The Texas Republicans. Are, I guess everybody is a rhino. Everybody is in. Everybody is in on a massive conspiracy. And the only people who have the secret answers—they never show it. 
They'll never show it, but the only people is Donald Trump and those who are obedient to him. Someone who lies about everything, someone who we see with our own eyes as a madman maniac. He's the only person who's got all the secrets. He can't share them with you because it's just so secret. And so I mentioned the Ken Paxton story by way of example because it was the Trump longtime aide, Molly Michael, who told federal investigators about all of this, how Donald Trump would give her notes on classified documents. He used the classified documents as a notepad. He used classified documents as a notepad. Yet MAGA Republicans will be like, so what? He can do whatever he wants. Really? He can use classified documents as a notepad. And then he told Molly Michael, you don't know anything about the boxes. It's interesting. You know, on the ABC story, they're like, and it's unclear what he meant by that. No, it's very clear what he meant by that. I mean, it's <laughs> unclear. unclear. They literally wrote, it's unclear what he meant by that. I, I think I know when he told her, you don't know anything about the boxes, when she says, I know you're lying to the FBI. I think I know what he means. Especially in the context of it too. Like you, you don't have to be a genius to put two and two together here. When Trump finally agrees to turn over 15 boxes of materials to the National Archives and then continues to hide scores of boxes is how they describe them, continues to hide scores of boxes of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, and investigators asked Donald Trump, is that everything? Have you turned over all the classified documents? And Molly Michael, Trump aide and Trump assistant, Donald Trump goes to her and goes, you don't know anything about the boxes. You don't know anything. Does it take? What does he mean by that? What is? I wonder. What is? What is he? Molly, you don't know anything. Boxes. You know nothing. I hold you. You haven't seen. There are there are about sixty to eighty boxes in the basement of Mar-a-Lago, but you know nothing. You've seen nothing. When investigators ask you, you will say, "No, I have seen no such boxes." Molly. Molly, you know, you say Jack Smith, no Jack Smith, no Jack Smith. I have not seen boxes. I mean, that's like literally what he was saying to her. It's like beyond absurd. And it really speaks here to Donald Trump's criminal intent also. And I think Molly Michael at the end of the day did not want to be implicated in these crimes. She did not want to be one of those indicted co-conspirators who were, you know, charged and now have to pay for all these legal bills and are now going to have their lives ruined because they decided instead to listen to Donald Trump when he said, "Oh, and you don't know about those boxes now, now do you?" Meanwhile, on <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> on Capitol Hill, let's talk about how Republicans are acting. You have uh, Michael McCall, a Republican uh, member of Congress from Texas, who I guess he passes as a as a moderate Republican today. Uh, doesn't even exist. He goes on this interview. He goes, "Yeah, we 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 don't have we don't have any evidence about the Biden impeachment inquiry, but it's an inquiry. We're just gonna we're gonna search for it." Here, play this clip. Well, first of all, I've been tasked by the Speaker to assist. Uh, the oversight and government reform. With respect to foreign policy decisions the president may have made or vice president, 
at that time with respect to money coming in to try to tie the two. We don't have the evidence now, but we may find it later. Okay, it's 20 years later at this point. It's 20, what is it, 15 years later? What is it that you're... What is it that you're trying to find? What? The the prosecutor who was never even prosecuting Barisma, who was the corrupt prosecutor who was working with Barisma that everybody wanted to be fired. Oh, President Biden fired the prosecutor because he wanted to stop the prosecutor who was not investigating Barisma from doing a fake investigation that was never taking place, who was in Barisma's pocket. Ooh, that's what I feel like I'm Fetterman. Ooh, you 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 know which with <laughs> The fake whistleblower who was dead, the whistleblower who is missing, the whistleblower who's a spy from China. Wow. Look at all of the evidence, the 17 audio recordings, which are utterly fake. I mean, just think for as my perspective, as a member of the bar, like if I went to a federal court and said, I've got 17 audio recordings, your honor. And the judge says, may I see them? Funny thing about those 17 <laughs> they don't exist. I would lose my legal license. Okay. Be- and, and as I've always said before, if there were if there was one audio recording, like one QAnon tweet by Joe Biden involving bribes, involving QAnon, okay, I would be pissed. I would be like, you did great. Good work with the PACT Act. Great, great job with infrastructure. Great job with Chips Act. Great job with with all the the initiatives. And but what if they what what if they said this, Ben? What if they said, Mister Mycellus, please present your evidence. And you said, I sure you hope there's some. I, I sure don't, hope there's some. I, I don't have the evidence actually. So I actually I don't have the evidence, but I'm hoping to find it as we go through this process, Judge. Yeah, you see, you see this impeachment inquiry, it's like a <laughs> hypothesis. You see it, and I'm going to try to mix it. <laughs> you know, I've got this hunch. I got a it. I got a hunch, Judge, that something don't smell right here. And on that basis, I'm just gonna lie to you each. And I mean, and here's the thing: evidence is not ooh. You are a lefty that you care about the evidence. I just, just can you please tell me the freaking truth? Because I get, if you tell me there are 17 audio recordings of somebody taking bribes, I'm like, oh crap. You know, and it's interesting because I've had people, you know, direct message me on patreon.com slash Midas Touch and I respond to them and they say, aren't you worried? Because they can't be like, they're saying 17, Ben. They're saying 17. No one would lie like that. Well, that's the whole freaking pathology of the big lie that if someone says a lie that's just so outrageous, human nature is, well, people don't lie so badly that there has to be a kernel of truth. Maybe there's one, even if there isn't 17. That's the big lie psychology. And the reality is, is is no, it is all a lie. And when those interviews, Trump on the pathetic one on Meet the Press and others. It is the biggest of big lies. He's created a fantasy fascist dystopia where he alone can fix it. And he's the hero of a make believe world that isn't our objective reality. It doesn't exist. 
and he's created a script. It is malignant narcissism delusion. It is a real sickness that he needs to be held accountable for, though. And he creates these fake stories. Nancy Pelosi did it. It was Nancy Pelosi. She's responsible for January 6th. And the Proud Boys were heroes. And I'm going to save them. And, and Democrats are doing abortions after nine months once the babies were. Everything he says is a lie. And it forces people to go, whoa, whoa. I mean, would someone lie to me like that? Yes. Yes. Because they want to control you. Because they think you're an idiot. Because they hate you. They are lying to you to destroy you and weaponize language. These people are predators. They are predators preying on you, your vulnerabilities. They want to destroy you. And that's why I get so amped up when I see legacy media amplifying this crap. That's why I've devoted my whole life. I've changed course on what I was doing for a living because this can't be okay. And I refuse to sit by idly. I refuse to do nothing. I refuse to do nothing in the face of what I am seeing. And that's why it's such an honor to be around all like-minded people who are part of this pro-democracy community. When I try to think of ways, you know, that are unique where I don't have outside investors to build this thing. That's why I, I talk about patreon.com slash Midas Touch so much because I'm trying to figure out ways. Okay, how do we build the machinery that that counters all this crap? The Fox fascism, the legacy media crap that they're spewing. Anyway, I'll talk about that more in the after show. Let me show you Lauren Boebert blaming getting kicked out of the theater on her being too eccentric and also on liberals who apparently made her blow the vape smoke on people and also fondle her with the, the mutual whatever is going to play the clip. Just had Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, announce an impeachment inquiry yesterday. Uh, we're facing a government shutdown and, and trying to fund the federal government. We have a wide open southern border. We have uh, Zelensky threatening to send uh, refugees here. And what's the top story? Lauren Boebert getting kicked out of the Buell Theater in Denver, Colorado. It's what the media deals. does. It's what the media does. So yes, what, it is. what, what it is went what down? Do. You know, um, I was a little too uh, eccentric. I, I am I'm very known for having uh, a, a animated personality, uh, maybe overtly animated personality. I was laughing. I was singing, having a fantastic time. Was told you gave him a hand job in public. Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Okay, he was feeling you up, and you were giving your former boyfriend a hand job in public, and you were blowing vape smoke on a pregnant woman. Like, let's be clear of what went down. Wasn't liberals? You don't even know what the word eccentric means. You went to a public theater to watch a children's show, Beetlejuice, you know, that children were present and you were giving your for now former boyfriend a hand job while he was grabbing your breast. You lied about it. You were blowing vape smoke on people. That's not what the word eccentric means. Okay. I mean, it, 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 it that's why I say MAGA equals fascism plus idiocracy. Okay, and now let me show you some of the fascism part because they'll come up with different frameworks to gaslight you and to try to deceive and lie to you, right? Sometimes it's 
I'm just an originalist. I want to know what the founders said. Well, the founders didn't say this. <laughs> Did I tell you that I'm a strict constructionist? Every single word has a meaning. Yeah, but if you focus on like the Second Amendment, what about well-regulated militia? <laughs> Have I told you about my theory on states' rights? Okay, <laughs> well, now states are saying that women should have a right to control their reproductive care. Oh, just let freaking big government control everything, you freaking idiot liberals. That's where they go. And watch what former Vice President Pence says, that he goes, what we need to do is pass bans, abortion bans, in liberal states like California and Illinois. Play this clip. Forward. It's a 15-week minimum ban. I believe it's an idea whose time has come. Why would we leave unborn babies in California and Illinois and New York to the devices of liberal state legislatures and liberal governors? We need to stand for the unborn all across America. And as your president, I promise you'll have a champion for life in the Oval Office. Yeah, and then you have Tim Scott, who, after first basically being asked, are you gay, like over and over again by the person asking him a question, you're like, nope, you know what? I'm in a Christian relationship. I'm with a good Christian. It's like, where you talk, who, whether you're gay or not gay, like, what, what do you, how is why, this a thing? What is happening? happening? Yeah, he's like, I just want to let you know the Bible says, find yourself a good Christian woman. I found myself against well, will we, will we be, will we be able to meet her? I, I, she lives in Canada. You don't know her. You know, <laughs> you, you, you don't, you don't know her, but just be aware. She's a good Christian woman. And then here he says that COVID doesn't exist anymore. Here, play this clip. Because if we continue the current trajectory of spending, it just goes up like a rocket. If we went back to, there's no longer COVID, by the way, it, we can't use that as an excuse. Someone say, thank God. Right. So if we went back to the levels of spending before we had a crisis, it would reduce our spending by billions of dollars. Now, can you please stop saying stupid and dangerous shit? Now, look, if you want to have a serious discussion on how we should respond to future spikes like those that are existing right now with COVID, how do we handle that? How should we deal with schools and businesses and small businesses? And can we reflect on experiences that we've had? Well, then at least we're having a rational conversation, recognizing that COVID exists and is a problem. Don't say things like it doesn't exist. That is a lie and a dangerous lie and a lie that gets people killed. And it's just, it's, it's dangerous stupidity. As I say, MAGA equals fascism plus idiocracy. And it's the same thing. If you want to have serious discussions about the Green New Deal, about transition to electric cars, which the last time I checked, I guess, you know, I thought Elon Musk has an electric, but whatever, I guess they want to attack it. But if you want to have a serious conversation about goals and objectives that are being put forward by President Biden so that America could be the leader of the economy of the future in a responsible way. And if you want to say, well, look, you know what? The goals by 2030, too soon. Perhaps it should be 2035. Or perhaps you would say, not soon enough, 2028. But can we recognize 
that there needs to be a world where America is investing in the future, and then we can have a discussion on some of the uh, details of different plans. And you may say this plan's better, and I may say this plan's better, but we are existing in a reality. Can we all agree that the insurrection was a bad thing, was a disgraceful day? And MAGA Republicans are like, no, we're going to sing songs with them, and we're going to say that they're political prisoners, and we're just going to give you false facts about them. And we're going to say that they're being kept in prison for misdemeanors, 100% false. We are going to say that they are being sentenced by deep state judges. Many of them are being sentenced by Trump-appointed judges, not your bogus deep state conspiracy. So if you want to have an honest conversation generally and more broadly about the conditions of jails and prisons in America, like how Fulton County's jail is known for having very, very, very horrific conditions, and how could we invest in ways that create things that are at least a little bit more humane? How do we recognize, um, I don't know, the, it, reform in general of our judicial system? But don't gaslight me and act like the Proud Boys are political prisoners and that they are being treated like worse than anybody else who goes into jail. That's not happening. And we need to, again, have objective realities here. But instead, you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene saying things like, about the government shutdown, Freedom Caucus and Main Street are only two of the five families. Like, okay, you know, you know, what it reminds me of. Did, did you ever do like mock UN in high school? I I did. I was a part of a group called Metropolitan Mock UN. It was called Met Monk. Met Monk. And people oh. would come up with like. I don't know. They would they would get carried away, you know, when like Jamaica would team up with Costa Rica and like, in, you know, and they would threaten to like invade whatever, you know, or like the UK would team up because like it was a cosplay of like ridiculous yeah. scenarios. And you'd be like, what? OK, what what's going on? Like the Freedom Caucus, we've now formed the five families like the hell are you doing what are you like what the hell are you talking about like i think it's fitting though at least like they recognize that they're like an organized crime organization although they're incredibly disorganized but at least they're recognizing that they do act like a mafia or like a cult because marjorie taylor green is straight up saying it when she talks about the five families this is literally like ripped from goodfellas ripped from the godfather it is utterly bizarre to have a representative in the united states house speaking in this way and with all their bluster, with all their bloviating, with all their gaslighting, with all their TV appearances, they can't even run the frickin' government. They can't even do the bare minimum and keep the government open. It's so embarrassing. And you think back to the days where you had Speaker Pelosi, you had a United Democratic Party who was able to push through all these various bills who were all united. You never heard that Speaker Pelosi was getting humiliated by her own caucus. You never heard of <laughs> 
assault happening against Speaker Pelosi. But 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 yet you got all these stories about Democrats in disarray, Democrats in disarray. Now we actually have the Republicans in complete and utter disarray. There was an open revolt in the House GOP caucus over the weekend against their plan that was made between Byron Donalds of the Freedom Caucus and Dusty Johnson of the Main Street Caucus. They are racing towards the September 30th deadline to keep the government open. And remember, remember for a second, remember, we raised the debt ceiling already. We have agreed Everyone has agreed to the terms of our spending back then, and now this is the process to keep the government open to actually pass bills, and they are unable to do so because they are continuing to introduce all these various poison pills into the legislation to try to torpedo it and to try to close our government. And if you even watch clips from months and months and months ago, many of these Republicans already telegraphed that they wanted to close the government. And you're starting to see some like very weird, like you see how desperate these people are and how they have to speak to their base. And and the other kind of Republicans like morons, they're like, well, if we shut the government down, then we won't be able to investigate Hunter Biden. Like they have to come up with all these roundabout <laughs> ways to convince like their caucus to actually come around. Like, well, sure, what, what, whatever works, okay? I don't want to see millions and millions of people out of work because of all of your freaking drama in the House of Representatives. But McCarthy writes, now has like zero support from the people in his own party. He can only afford to lose four Republican votes for this continuing resolution. And that's just to kind of temporarily keep the government open before they could actually uh, pass the actual bills to keep the government open for the long term. This would just be a short term solve. And even if McCarthy got his wish list and was able to corral all of his Republicans behind a continuing resolution, guess what? It's going to die in the Senate anyway. So all of this drama that is unfolding right now with all the Republicans at each other's throats, it's all for naught because they keep putting things in the bills that will never get accepted by the Senate, such as they put in, we're going to ban abortion. That's the kind of thing they put into the bill. We're going to put an abortion ban into the bill. We're going to put, we're going to remove all Ukraine funding. Let's put that into this bill. All these things that were never agreed upon that are never going to go anywhere. They want to try to toss in your contraception. We want to severely limit contraception to Americans. We want to end social security. They want to put all these things into the bill so that they could then say, oh, look, the Democrats voted it down. We were going to keep the government open, but the best Democrats, they voted it down. The game is completely transparent, and you see Kevin McCarthy just completely and utterly flustered in the Capitol any time that he is interviewed about this. And here was McCarthy from earlier. I'll play you this uh, this clip where he's talking about how difficult it is to pass anything in the House. It's so hard to pass. It's so hard to pass bills here. You are that come from the Senate? It's hard to or pass everything in this place. <laughs> we started out in a five-seat majority. I have one member who's now resigned. We've got a couple members who are out as well. Anything we do is pretty tough in life. But you know what? This country is too great and too big to give up. Imagine like a basketball player after a game being asked like, hey, you know, what happened? It's still a really tough game. Like uh, you got to dribble the ball. You got to shoot. 
you got it. like who, look i'm not really fit to play this and and, and, and that analogy though it would re, it, it would mean that the players like at least were on the court and playing like the way you're describing it like if mccarthy was running a basketball team all of his like players would just be like throwing poop at each other on the sidelines and nothing <laughs> would be going on like that that is what we're witnessing like they, they're not even making it to the game to play the game like yeah, it is just right. It, it's it's cra- it's crazy, and, and, and like this is going to affect a lot of people's lives because you have this moron. You know who didn't have to go to the press after and go? You know it's really hard to get everyone together. Nancy Pelosi never had to do that. Don't recall any of those kind of interviews when it was Speaker Pelosi. This guy is the weakest speaker in the history. He is an utter failure. He is unable to control his caucus, and I kind of believe that deep down he thinks he's like a good guy. He thinks, well, well, look, at least I'm keeping the crazy people out, and look. I'm, I'm Kevin McCarthy and I'm a real conservative. No, you're a failure, dude. You are an absolute failure. You have enabled and promoted the worst, the worst in America. You have made yourself Marjorie Taylor Greene's puppet. You have made yourself Donald Trump's puppet. But anyway, we'll bring you more updates on this story as it goes on. I want to speak about some good news quickly, which is President Biden negotiating the release of five American citizens who were wrongfully detained in Iran. They did a prisoner swap. And as part of the deal, the administration issued a blanket waiver for international banks to transfer $6 billion in frozen Iranian money. And I want to be clear, this was Iranian money, not U.S. taxpayer money whatsoever. This was Iranian money. Just pause there. Just pause. Just pause there. Okay, that point, I don't see anybody talking about. Like, like oh, I'm, I'm going to make you mad in a sec, Ben. I'm, I'm going to make you mad because I saw what CNN's main headline on their website was, at least right before the show. And I think it's going to piss everybody off. But, <laughs> but I got to show it because we have to show like what we're kind of pushing back against. Mm-hmm. In any other administration, this should be viewed as a good thing. Donald Trump left these prisoners there to rot. Let's be clear about that. He did not give a shit about bringing these people home. But President Biden, the State Department, they actually made a very smart deal, a very smart negotiation, using money that was not U.S. taxpayer money, using money that is actually overseen by the U.S. that we are able to see how it is being spent, using money that is only to be spent on humanitarian aid for citizens, for the people who actually need humanitarian aid, not going to the Iranian government, not going to oligarchs, not going to dictators. Let's be clear about where the money is going. I would say all in all, I think it's a very good thing that we got back these American citizens, that Biden freed these hostages. This should be a story about patriotism. This should be a a huge accomplishment. People should be going, this is fantastic. We actually brought Americans home. Now, Here's the part where I make everybody angry. I'm going to pull up the CNN headline just to show you how this was being covered on CNN earlier. And this isn't Fox. You know, Fox ran their headline. Biden gives $6 million to terrorist state-sanctioned Iran. Not, Not what happened. Very disingenuous. Complete another lie. But this is what CNN's doing. This is their headline. I'll pull it up right now. Criticism mounts. After Biden brings Americans home. Subheader, the deal creates the kind of terrible optics that a politically weakened president can ill afford. Like, what what are we doing here? What are we doing here? President Biden negotiated a prison swap. He brought home five American citizens that were wrongfully detained. 
and your headline is that it's a bad thing that these American citizens made it home. I mean, imagine what their families think if they were to go on CNN.com and to see you saying that sort of thing. And the supercharged rhetoric that you use, the terrible optics that a politically weakened president could ill afford. Politically weak? Terrible optics? Returning American citizens to their families is terrible optics? Or are you trying to push a ridiculous political line? Are you trying to create conflict and drama where you take a handful of, I don't know what they do even do in the article. I was too, I was too annoyed to even click into it and it was right before the show. But I'm sure they take like select quotes from tweets or other sorts of things like that to build their narrative. Look at all these people who aren't okay with this. And there are probably a lot of people also who weren't adequately explained by people like CNN and other people that this was actually Iranian money that was released back to them. This was actually done to provide humanitarian aid to people. This is not going to the leaders of Iran. I'm sure that wasn't explained because instead of doing these perception pieces, why don't you report the facts and then let people decide how they feel? But when you lead with the perception, all you're trying to do is you are trying to control the narrative and you are trying to tell people how they're supposed to be feeling about a certain issue. And I think that's incredibly screwed up as a news organization. And that's why I told you when you gave the facts, that's why I said, stop there. Because once we're armed with the facts, we can then form an opinion. At the end of the day, you can find that money being returned that was already seized, being used for a humanitarian purpose to return wrongfully detained Americans is a bad thing. And then you're entitled to believe that. I will disagree with you strongly, but I want to first, when I said stop right there, I want to first have the, the, the actual data, right? Here's the evidence. Now we can have a discussion. And where media leads, and here's what we're trying to change, is they go right into split screen, all right, we're going to cover this for three minutes. We're going to say that people don't like this. And then we'll have split screen on the right person, yell at split screen on the left. And then the viewers left with like, what was I even just watching? Everyone seems outraged. I see people screaming at each other. I don't even know the facts, but this seems to be a bad thing. I think this is the bad thing. I'm going to go and eat my dinner now. And you're left consistently with this sense of being gaslit and misinformed and people just being angry at other people and yelling. And it's very confusing. It's very confusing. And that's why the whole framework of how it's done needs to shift. It's one of the things I'm excited to talk about with some of the extra time on our Patreon for the after show, also known as Midas Moore, more well known as Midas Moore. That's right. Because I really want to talk about the framework of how we try to present the stories here. And I'll give you a hint. It is to devote the appropriate amount of time for each of these stories to deliver the facts first and give opinions after the facts are delivered first. And that may take seven minutes, that may take 10 minutes, it may take 20 minutes. 
but there is no arbitrary, all right, now I got to go to a commercial break because that's how we do it. And now you just figured people are angry and don't like each other. We're going to do 10 to 12 stories every day on our YouTube, in addition to our live shows. But most importantly, we're not going to hide our opinions, but we're going to be led by facts and evidence. And to me, that's not a liberal or progressive or any, that's just trying to provide facts. That's all (laughs) at the end of the day. And I'll give you my opinion about those facts afterwards. And I think that's what's so important here. So everybody, if you go to Patreon, dot com slash Midas touch p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Midas touch m-e-i-d-a-s-t-o-u-c-h and one of the things i do on patreon.com slash Midas touch because i got a few direct messages there even just now and they said ben you got to relax and do something other than this you know and i said i <laughs> and i said i do which is why we post on patreon Some of the Mm -hmm. things that we do in our personal lives, like I just posted what I did over the weekend, why I was dressed in a suit. And so we, we try to let people in, you know, into our lives a little bit there in ways that we can't, we don't have enough time to necessarily share with here. And look, we don't have outside investors. So through the emojis and the memberships on YouTube, that's one way separately through the Patreon, we try to find unique ways to build this from the community up as opposed to from kind of investors telling us what to do. And, you know, again, as, as I always say, probably not the best business model, but it has allowed us to maintain our independence so far. And it has allowed us to do a very good job. <laughs> I wanted to hear that was the music. So anyway, after this, if you want to go, go there, go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Make sure you spell Midas Touch the correct way. Also, go to store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear. 100% union made, 100% made in the USA. That's store.midastouch.com. And wherever you get audio podcasts, please, this really helps a long way too. Like, like the, It's one of the best ways you can help, and it's free. Whatever your app is for podcasts, search Midas Touch Podcast and hit subscribe and leave a five-star review on the audio podcast. That really, really helps. Audio podcast listeners, go subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Everyone, make sure you're subscribed to the Midas Touch YouTube. Can I can I add also, one thing there, Ben? Send it to yeah. a friend. You know, like the growth of this network, the growth of everything we do of getting these messages out what I think everyone needs to realize is your voice is exponential, right? We have 11,000 people, more than 11,000 people watching this episode. Imagine if everybody texted one or two friends, that Mm -hmm. 11,000 becomes 20 to 30,000 very quickly, right? That is what we need to grow the network. That is what we need to get the messages out. And it all starts with you. I mean, that's how, think back to how you heard about us. You know, I'm sure somebody, uh, you know, said something about us in a tweet or said something about us on YouTube or a friend texted you an episode or whatever. So pass it on. Let everybody know. And yeah, it's 11,000 concurrent. By the time people watch this, it gets a few hundred thousand, sometimes, you know, close to a million. Yeah, that's just live Um, right now. Yeah. So think about those half a million views times each person telling two people that's a million people getting the message that's making a real difference that's a great way you can help all right we're going to do the after show right now just for those who are new to the after show we have to record it so and then we post it so it will go up tonight 
You'll get to see the after show. In the meantime, while you wait for our after show, go through the after show archives on patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Learn about Michael Popak, Karen Friedman Agnifilo, Jordy Brett, and my origin stories, where we went to schools, how we made our way to the Midas Touch network. Again, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Thank you all so much from the bottom of our hearts. It's so incredible to be a part of this community with you, unapologetically pro-democracy, compassionate, intelligent. There's no else I'd rather be than with you as part of the Midas Mighty. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! The Midas Mighty standing strong Against the fascists we sing our song We will get it right whenever At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.